The Spaniards arrived five minutes after us. Six climbers and their guide continued on a bit before resting fifty yards away from us to strap on their crampons. We sensed stern looks, accented by the rarefied air. We were not the only ones competing for the post position, a lead that was of innocuous benefit. We recognized their stance, their gain of ground. We had yielded command. Kubi did not convey loss of advantage. Fatigue had made most of us indifferent to the competition, but not everyone. Two of the Spaniards talked animatedly, their stares alternating between where our party stood and the mountaintop. They plotted their next move, while the others clamped on their footwear with elan, then rose in unison, stomping and tugging at their straps and holsters. Our quintet was nearly ready. Kubi fastened the claws onto Patricia's boots and adjusted Charlie's ill-fitting clasps. He jumped from one of us to the other, until all our crampons were fastened to his satisfaction. Finally, we traded our snow goggles for sunglasses, a temporary luxury. Rest for the Spanish was briefer than ours, and it made them appear better trained. Grabbing their ice axes, they formed a line and started toward their final climb, angled ahead of us. Then one climber's crampon came unfastened. "'Let's go,' Goran said, seeing them falter. "'We have a chance to be first. Patricia needled. "'Follow,' said Kubi, before the Spanish armada could regroup. He took long strides, and although he never said anything, I suspect that with Goran's repeated urges to beat the Spanish, Kubi had caught our competitive spirit. Within minutes he had positioned us in command of the ascending path. The Spaniards fell in line a respectful distance behind. Unless we collapsed, the pseudo-race was over. All our attention now was on safety. "'What are we doing here?' I wondered, not for the first time. We hoped to find in ourselves whatever was necessary to ascend the peak, not to fail, as had many others, but to triumph. Exhausted, the climb-up ankle-buckling trails had sapped our strength. But now we were encouraged by the fresh snow at our feet, sunrise and the summit less than thirty minutes away. The snowfield immediately ahead looked deceptively level. It was in fact steadily rising. Where that section ended began a thousand-step incline to the peak. The east side of the mountain brightened slightly as the early sun shone through light cloud cover, coaxing our approach with a muted glow. There were glimpses of blue sky, and I wondered if the view from the summit might well deliver the country trio of Iran, Armenia, and Turkey we all hoped to see. We were on the rise. The air stilled as if it weren't there, and it fought me as I tried to pull depleting oxygen into my lungs. At times our tribe of six slowed to a crawl to catch what we could of the thinning air. I recalled reading Navarra's telling of his expedition— going forward in bursts of twenty-five or thirty paces, and then stopping for lack of breath, one among them moaning, I'm spitting my lungs up, as another feared aloud, my heart is bursting. We moved to the base of Ararat's final challenge, an elevation gain of three hundred steep feet to its peak. Kubi retreated to the rear guard position. It was his mandate to watch over us as we climbed. Part of his responsibility was to be below our team should anyone fall and begin to slide off the mountain. Goran, now in the lead, took the first steps up the sharp gradient. His left foot slipped off the icy path. He knelt into the snow to break his fall, regained his balance, and stood up. He looked at the rest of us with feigned assurance. Kubi motioned him on. 
We were now on the sharpest incline of the final ascent. We clung to our hopes as much as we clung to the mountainside, repeatedly stopping to ease our pained lungs, to acknowledge the pinch of cold feet and strained backs. God, where is the air? I thought. I looked at the peak of Ararat and thought of what Crosby had written before returning to his base camp after a failed attempt. It loomed before us, tantalizingly close. This was no time to quit. Ice crystals formed when we exhaled and hung in front of our faces, daring us to breathe in. We caught what we could of the thinning air, nodded to one another, and shuffled on. Below us was a slope that slipped toward nothingness. The only difference between seeing and not seeing tomorrow was carelessness. Taking his sunglasses off, Kubi winked my way, tapped my ice axe, and cocked his head toward the abyss. An Armenian headwind roared up the mountain's north side and over the summit, where it coupled with an easterly cousin from Iran before slamming us head-on as we climbed, turkey at our backs. The breath of Ararat, Kubi informed us. Its rage wound through and over us, then everything went quiet. More steps, boot toes into the snow, letting the crampons grip. Someone muttered our jitters. Will we make it?